and welcome to episode 12 of the Stranger Times podcast. I'm lover and fighter C.K. MacDonald. This is the second of our two launch week specials. By the time you are hearing this, I will officially birth the Stranger Times book out into the world and I will be lying back having my fevered brow wiped down by Wonder Wife while she smokes a cigar entirely against hospital rules. The woman is a maverick. So that would make this episode of the podcast the placenta. I'll be honest, I've kind of disturbed myself with that imagery now and deeply regret having said it. But there you go. It's been recorded. There's nothing we can do about it now. Anyway, here is the man with the mop when my metaphorical waters broke. It's James Cook with the Stranger Times News. A family in Colchester claim that they have been left footing the bill after the ghost of Mary Whitehouse started accessing their TV system. Emily King, 57, has long claimed that the family home, once inhabited by the social activist and inveterate prude, is haunted by her spirit, but now feels things have gone too far. It always felt like a nice little bit of British history living in Mary Whitehouse's old home. Not long after we moved in, we started noticing her presence. Game of Thrones kept turning itself off whenever anyone got their norks out, and the TV just turned itself on every time Alan Titchmarsh appeared. Unfortunately, we're a few years down the line now, and it looks like her moral standards have gone right out the window in the afterlife. We keep getting billed for all kinds of filth, and the TV company are having none of it. They're insisting that it's unlikely that a poltergeist has access to our credit card details, but that's the only rational explanation. Emily's husband Wayne was unavailable for comment. Following a road accident last week where six kegs of finest Scottish whisky fell into Loch Ness, watchers have become increasingly concerned about the behaviour of its most famous occupant. On Tuesday, a jogger reported seeing a dinosaur-like creature involved in an altercation with an electricity pylon while wearing a traffic cone on its head. On Wednesday, Michael Wallop, 24, from nearby Inverness, was taking his dog for a late-night walk when he returned to the car park beside the lock to discover Nessie on top of his VW Beetle, saying, He'd mounted me car and was pumping away on it, the dirty bastard. Ye could see the shame on his face while he was doing it too. It's not on, is it? And she's been pulling to the right something shocking since. Mr. Wallop's outrage has not prevented him putting the car up for sale on eBay, where the bidding currently stands at £14,000. On a related note, Miss Irene Willis, who we reported as claiming to have married Nessie three months ago, has issued a statement that she is taking some time to consider their relationship after recent events, and appealing for the press to respect her privacy at this difficult time. I'm James Cook, and to receive a free collection of Stranger Times short stories, go to thestrangertimes.com and sign up to the mailing list. Finally, this week's forecast. Fire will rain from the skies, the sea shall burn, cat will lay down with dog, man shall scream to the heavens, why have you forsaken me, and then on Wednesday it'll be overcast with sunny spells. Thank you, James. In this episode, I felt it was about time I brought you face to face with true evil. A man that is truly mad, bad and dangerous to know. Moretti. First thing to know about him is, yes, he is American and no, that is not what makes him evil. To be clear, as someone has asked, there's two reasons why he is a Yank. Firstly, it makes sense for the story as he comes to Manchester to try and do something without anyone noticing or at least tracing it back to him. And secondly, Along with Hannah, his outsider's viewpoint gives us an excellent introduction 
to one of the big stars of the book, Manchester itself. He provides us with our first glimpse of magic and also makes us aware of how dangerous the abuse of such power can be. In the chapter you're about to hear, he does something deeply unpleasant, albeit to an estate agent. Fun fact, when I wrote this chapter, I was in the middle of selling a flat and buying a house. While I didn't think of it at the time, in hindsight, all of this happening to an estate agent doesn't feel entirely coincidental. Also, another odd thing, this chapter features rats pretty prominently. Fun fact number two for you, I am utterly terrified of rats. I mean, everyone should be, they're horrible little buggers, but it's fair to say I give them an inordinate amount of thought. Basically, I grew up beside a canal, and in order to keep me away from it as a toddler, my mum might have laid on the rat stuff a little bit too thick. Let me put it this way, when I go to the local pet shop to get stuff for the dog, I have to double check they've not moved the bloody rats, as I freak the fudge out if I see them. Also, if you have rats as pets, one, you are incredibly weird, and two, by law, you should have to put a sign outside your house warning people before they come in. I don't care that your kids thought it was hilariously funny. It freaked me the fudge out. I may be referring to a very specific incident there. This is a way of me pointing out that clearly in my head, when I need to go scary evil, there's a very good chance rats will feature. Come to think of it, this whole chapter is an alarming window into my messed up brain. Enjoy. And here is the scarily talented Brenda MacDonald reading Chapter 4 of The Stranger Times. Chapter 4 Jace needed to keep the excitement from his voice, or at least try to pretend it was something else. He turned and smiled at the client, who beamed back at him. Luckily, this idiot was American. The Yanks were so gosh-darned optimistic and positive about everything that he probably saw fevered excitement as a default setting. One look at this short arse's great big gullible face and Jace's heart had leapt for joy. The guy had walked into the agency's offices eating a kebab for God's sake. Who does that? It had taken every ounce of Jace's self-restraint not to say anything when the slob wiped his hands on the upholstery of Jace's BMW on their way to the viewing. He hadn't got himself in serious debt so some gluttonous pig could mess up his perfect ride. Still, seeing as there was a thousand pound bonus for anyone who could shift this dump, there was a chance he was about to get a bit of breathing room on that front. Fiona had stopped him from using the agency cars when he'd been caught. Well, no time to think about that now. Normally, Mondays were pretty dead in the office. Most staff at the estate agency had the day off, given the vast majority of viewings took place on a Saturday. Jace was only working it as a punishment. Fiona was penalising him because, well, all right, he had messed up. He'd been showing that apartment in Macintosh Mill, only for the client to come home and find Jace in bed with the woman he'd been showing it to. Fiona had said it was unprofessional, which Jace had to admit it was, but that wasn't the main source of her annoyance, and they both knew it. Jace should never have gone back to her room after the Christmas party. It had been a mix of pity, convenience, and free alcohol. Fiona had threatened to fire him after the Mac Mill incident, and he had threatened to tell her husband if she did. The atmosphere between them had been toxic ever since. He felt like the whole thing was very unfair. He'd initially thought giving a taste to grateful older women was his secret weapon. It had sold that penthouse over in Ancoats, after all. But now it had backfired spectacularly. Not only had the Mac Mill woman walked away from the sale, 
but she had left him with a nasty itch down there. He was going to have to go and see somebody about that. He also needed a holiday, but there was zero chance of that if Fiona carried on keeping him away from all the juicy commissions. Mostly, the agency dealt in residential sales and lettings. The money was in sales, but that's why Fiona used them as incentive, dangling them in front of her acolytes like carrots. They also had a few commercial properties, mainly because Fiona was greedy and incredibly good at convincing people she could sell anything. Still, in over a year, nobody had been able to lease this place. The one prospective client they'd had in the last six months had walked out on the viewing, offended that they had even dared show it to her. It was an old warehouse. If the owner had any sense, he would have gone to the right pub, dropped an envelope containing a couple of grand on the right table, then waited for the police to call and regretfully inform him that it had been gutted in a suspected arson attack. Bloody kids. As the metal shutters juddered up slowly, Jace realised he needed to cover the pained squeal with some small talk. What did you say to men? They'd never been his target demographic. So, have you been in Manchester long? Couple of weeks. And where were you before that? A particularly loud screech meant Jace didn't catch the answer. He could have sworn the guy said prison, but he must have heard wrong. The bloke was five foot nothing and looked way too soft to have done time. Not that Jace knew a lot about such things. He smiled and nodded, and the Yanks smiled and nodded back. The location was bad. The condition of the property was worse. Still, neither of those things was the warehouse's really big problem. Or rather, one of its four really big problems. In reverse order, the place was filled with mouldy old furniture that looked terrible and smelled horrendous. Human beings hated it, but apparently rats didn't, hence problem number three. Jace was just hoping the little shits wouldn't pop out during the viewing. Problem two was the lack of plumbing, which seemed doubly ironic given problem one, the foulest of foul stenches from a blocked-up sewer under the property, which, despite some less-than-subtle hints, the vendor had no inclination to get sorted. As the shutter door ground its way upwards, the smell hit Jay so hard he had to take a step back. Sorry about the pong. The place hasn't been open for a couple of weeks. Oh, is it bad? I don't have much of a sense of smell. Jace's heart leapt, but he didn't miss a beat. No, not really. Just a little musty. It'll be fine with a bit of air going through it. He reached over and flipped on the lights, which slowly blinked into life. So... No sense of smell. Yeah, said the Yank. It's one of the weird side effects of the particularly brutal torture I was subjected to. Right, said Jace. Was that a joke? It could be one of those peculiar sense of humor things. People were weird. Only last week, Jace had visited a flat in the northern quarter on the landlord's request to discover the tenant was living with 14 rabbits roaming free in the property. An argument had ensued as the guy disputed whether they were considered pets. Jace needed to press on. As you can see, plenty of space. The place was filled with random piles of broken furniture that stretched back into the darkness. Apparently, at some time or another, someone had had the brainwave that loads of furniture nobody wanted in the first place could be upcycled and resold. It had proven to be as bad a business idea as it sounded. The owner wouldn't mind if you wanted to get rid of all the furniture, 
And just look at all this space. I mean, you will never find this amount of space anywhere else in this price range. It's off the beaten track, isn't it? Well, yes and no, said Jace. The whole area was a sinkhole. Storage units and dodgy garages were interspersed with abandoned-looking premises. The only reason they were still standing was that nobody had been inclined to bulldoze them and put up something useful in their place. It has access to lots of local amenities, and again, you'll not find this kind of space so close to the city centre. It's a rough diamond. You say the word space a lot. Jace forced a laugh. Ha! Sorry. Well, it's just that there's so much of it. And the smell? It really isn't that big a deal. Jace used every ounce of his self-control to resist the urge to retch. It really was that bad. He needed to get this idiot to sign the forms today before he brought somebody with him who had a functioning sense of smell. Jace felt peculiar, like there was a buzzing in his head. He wasn't sure if he'd asked the man already, but for the life of him, he couldn't remember either the client's name or what he actually wanted the space for. He looked down at the clipboard in his hands where those areas on the paperwork were blank. Actually, I... Sorry, could you give me your name again? The Yank smiled. I didn't give it to you the first time. It's Moretti. He was digging around in his leather satchel as he spoke. Right. And what is it you'll be using the property for? Oh, I'm going to be saving a sick child's life. Wow, said Jace. So, like, medical research? Moretti smiled. No, no, it'll be blood magic. Highly illegal. Jace stood there with his pen poised over the clipboard and looked at Moretti. I see. This guy was clearly completely mental. He decided to choose his next words carefully. I don't know what you mean by that. Obviously, I can't rent it to you if you tell me you'll be using it for an illegal purpose. Moretti laughed. <laughs> my kind aren't governed by your laws. When you say my kind, I appreciate you're American, but obviously in Britain, British laws apply. Moretti pulled a couple of what looked like steel ball bearings out of his bag. Here they are. And no, I don't mean countries. You see, I am a member of the cabal of immortals that secretly runs your sad little world. I view you as you view those rats you're trying to pretend aren't running around over there. The buzzing noise in Jace's mind was growing louder. This man was clearly insane. He was still wearing the same grin as when they'd first met, but somehow it now looked demented rather than clueless. Jace needed to get out of there. Some part of his brain, still focusing on the sale, spoke next. Rodents are always a problem in any warehouse-type space. I'm sure some traps will fix that. What a good idea. There was now an air of malevolence to Moretti's smile. I've actually got myself a little trap right here. He casually tossed one of the ball bearings up into the air, where it stopped dead, floating about ten feet off the ground. How? How are you doing that? asked Jace. That's not the question you should be asking. No? said Jace, shuffling his feet, angling himself towards the door. No, said Moretti. The question you should be asking is, why am I not running?
Jace sprinted for the open door, not looking back. He heard Moretti whistle. With a flash of silver, the ball bearing zipped through the air, coming to a stop in front of him. It expanded before his eyes. Where there had been one tiny ball of steel, there was now a rectangular plate of metal. Three, five, seven rectangular plates of metal. Jace turned around to run the other way, but Moretti was standing with his arms folded, smiling at him. He began to feel the metal grasping around his wrists, ankles, neck. He wanted to shout for help as a force lifted him off the ground, but no noise would come. He felt himself somersault through the air and then slam into the corrugated steel wall. He drew in a breath to scream, but metal wrapped itself around his mouth, sealing it closed. Eyes wide, he looked about him, his heart pounding. He was pinned to the wall ten or so feet off the ground. Metal bound his ankles, wrists, neck and stomach, holding him very firmly in place. Below him, Moretti took a handkerchief out of his pocket and blew his nose messily. He then looked up at Jace, a wide grin beneath his wild eyes. He nodded his head in satisfaction. Good, good, they work. Needed to check that. Moretti ran a hand over his bald pate, smoothing down the hair he still had left around his ears. So, whatever your name is, couple of things you need to know about me. One, my sense of smell is perfectly fine. And two, I really dislike being lied to. Jace tried to speak, but it was impossible. Oh, and three, I'm, you know, Moretti wiggled his fingers in the air. Magical. I'm also a little bit, he twirled a finger at his own temple. Crazy, but torture really does have that effect on you. Do you have any idea what kind of torture a bunch of immortals can come up with when they want to punish you, but they aren't allowed to kill you? You see, when I say we're immortal, Moretti stopped himself and waved his hand. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Look at me, gabbling on. I must not forget my purpose. I'm here to save a child's life. He clasped his hands to his chest. You see, I'm not all bad. I like to help the needy. I want you to know that this inconvenience to you does serve a higher purpose. Moretti looked at his watch. Speaking of which, we must move this along. So you've got ten seconds to see if you can escape those bonds, and if you can't, I'm going to kill you. He looked up into Jace's eyes. Don't look so scared. We all have to go sometime. I mean, not me, but you do. Jace tried to move his arms as panic surged through him. Come on, hollered Moretti cheerfully. It feels like you're not really trying. Perhaps you work better with an audience. Moretti made a motion with his hand, and Jace heard a squeal from within the jungle of furniture. A shape rose up and flew towards him. As it grew larger in his vision, he clenched his eyes shut, bracing himself for the impact that didn't come. After a second, he opened his eyes. Floating in the air, inches from his face, close enough that he needed to close one eye to focus on it, was a large rat. He could make out the wild terror in its eyes as it attempted to squirm away from the invisible hand that was holding it. Jace could sympathise. He couldn't see Moretti anymore but his voice rang out. So, ten. Jace tried with every fibre of his being to twist and turn any of his limbs, to gain any sort of wiggle room, but nothing gave. 
It felt as if the metal were moving to counter him, resisting his attempts. All the time he did so, the calm, almost bored-sounding voice continued to count down. Three, two, one, zero, and you're dead. Jace watched numbly as the rats soared away from him and with a sickening squeal collided with the back wall of the warehouse. He heard Moretti whistle, and before he knew what was happening, the metal that had bound him so tightly wasn't there anymore. Jace tumbled messily to the ground. He looked up to see Moretti holding out his hand, palm up, as the plates of metal reformed above it into an impossibly small ball bearing. Jace started to get to his feet. Relax, said Moretti, moving towards him. I just needed to test these bonds worked as advertised. Don't worry, I'm not really going to kill you. You're not important enough for me to kill. Oh, and hey, little bit of good news. Moretti mouthed a word, wafted his hand, and the air was filled with the pleasing scent of lilacs. Jace felt numb, as if his mind could no longer process anything that was happening to him. He watched as Moretti took something from the inside pocket of his jacket. A gold coin on a chain now dangled before Jace's eyes. Relax, buddy, it's almost over. Just watch the shiny coin. With a flick of Moretti's wrist, the coin started spinning impossibly fast. That's right. Now you're going to forget everything that happened over the last couple of hours. And when you go back to the office, you're going to remove this property from your files. If anyone asks, it's not available. Give me the keys. Jace handed them over compliantly. Good boy, said Moretti. Oh, and one last thing. For the next two weeks, every time you say the word space, you're going to excuse yourself from the room, find a quiet spot, and punch yourself in the nuts. Hard. Got it? Jace smiled and nodded. Got it. Moretti patted him on the head. He stopped the coin spinning and placed it back in his jacket pocket. Now run along. I've got shit I need to do. Jace stood and walked out into the sunlight, throwing a happy wave over his shoulder as he did so. Moretti looked around him and then jingled the set of keys he held in his hand. He drew in a deep, satisfied breath. And to think, people say the Brits aren't friendly. Thank you for listening to the Stranger Times podcast. If you've enjoyed it, then please leave a rating wherever you get your pods. It really does help. And the Stranger Times novel by C.K. McDonnell is out on January 14th, 2021 and is available to pre-order right now from all good bookshops and some bad ones. And check out thestrangertimes.com for more weird news and to sign up to the newsletter where you can also get yourself a sweet free ebook containing some Stranger Times short stories. This podcast is produced by Rob B at BEE, with Ed Wilson exec producing, and all materials are copyright McFory Inc. Limited. All of the short stories are written by me, CK McDonald, and I also write the news with additional material by Sam Gore, Graham Goring, Cam Johnson, Mick Ferry, Scott Bennett, Andy White, and Juliet Myers. The news is read by James Cook, and the music is done by Alan McGuire with John McCullough as musical Sven Galley. 